0: The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three
1: shots suddenly rang out.
0: Destroying the media lives and dismantling the narratives.
2: One story at a time. It's the Avian Slate Show. Another day, another Jeffrey Epstein update. Two correctional officers responsible for guarding accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein the day he died by suicide. When he was suicided, they've been charged with falsifying prison records. Huh. Really interesting. The guards, Tova Noel and Michael Thomas, surrendered to federal authorities. They have been placed on leave. Of course, Epstein was found unresponsive in his cell August 10th. Um, There was also a uh, suicide watch placed on him because he tried to take his life, apparently, the month before. He was placed into a high-security housing unit where he was supposed to be checked on every 30 minutes. The jail guards are accused of failing to conduct the checks as required and falsifying jail records claiming they had. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So they basically, when they fell asleep... For a long period of time, somehow they went back and said, oh, crap, we've got to fill out the uh, the checklist, make sure that we checked off every 30 minutes that we looked in on them. Really? Federal prosecutors allege that for large portions of their shift, Noel and Thomas sat at their desk, browsed the Internet, and moved around the common area of the housing unit. No inmates in the unit received the necessary checks from 1030 that night on August 9th until 630 in the morning when Epstein was found unresponsive as alleged, the defendants had a duty to ensure the safety and security of federal inmates in their care at the metropolitan correctional center, the same place El Chapo was held. He made it out somehow. Instead, they repeatedly failed to conduct mandated checks on inmates. So the guards falsified the records, you know, they probably left the back door open. They probably said, Hey, Hey, Here's the uh, directions to Epstein's jail cell, because Epstein, again, is the Rosetta Stone to a culture of insidious behavior by world leaders. And in fact, one person who's speaking out is Maria Farmer. She had accused Jeffrey Epstein and Jeffrey Epstein's friend, Ghislaine Maxwell, or I think it's Ghislaine Maxwell or gearsley I don't even know. But regardless, she is the uh, daughter of a British newspaper. Uh, I think his name was Robert Maxwell. We talked about him on the Nexium special that we did last week. So, this lady, Maria Farmer, accuses Jeffrey Epstein and his friend, the madam, the procurer of all of these young ladies, Ghislaine or Ghislaine Maxwell, of assaulting her in 1996. And she spoke to CBS this morning saying that she ended up working for Epstein and how the FBI failed her. And this is what she was going to do to heal. Now, Maria Farmer, who was a young artist when she met Epstein and Maxwell at an art show in New York city in 1995, says she wasn't able to paint for more than 20 years since the assault quote. That's what Ghislaine and Jeffrey did. They took away the thing I was supposed to do. And they did that to everybody. Maria Farmer said this month, she started drawing the alleged victims of Epstein she has sketched seven so far, including her younger sister, Annie, who also has accused Epstein of sexually assaulting her. Quote, I want to know. I want people to know that these women are strong and they're still standing. She said, I tried for a very long time to just not think about them. And then I decided I can't ignore it anymore. I'm going to draw them and I'm going to try to paint them and I'm going to glorify them. Epstein had bought one of Farmer's paintings the night that they met and eventually offered her a job. The 26-year-old soon found herself working the front desk at his New York City townhouse. Quote from CBS, did you see young women coming into the house? Quote, yes, I saw many, 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 she said, all day long. I saw Gislein going to get the women. She went to places like Central Park. I was with her a couple of times in the car. She would say, stop the car, and then she would dash out and get a child. What did she say? She was doing when she did this, asked CBS. Getting Victoria's secret models, Maria Farmer said. Farmer found Epstein's behavior mysterious. Quote, one day I said to Jeffrey, what goes on in this house? Like, why are you always upstairs? And he said, I'll show you. And so he took me up there in the elevator and we went. And he showed me all of Ghislaine's quarters. She had her own suite in the house, CBS asked. Oh, she had a whole floor. Maria Farmer said Jeffrey Epstein ultimately led her to his bathroom and there was a marble like altar over there. And he said that's where this gets that's where he gets his massages. Maria Farmer said Epstein told her the whole house was wired with pinhole cameras and took her into a media room where they monitored. I looked on the cameras. I saw the toilet, toilet, bed, bed, toilet, bed. I'm like, I'm never going to use this restroom here. I'm never going to sleep here, she said. Was there videotape, CBS asked? Oh yeah, it was all videoed, all the time. And I asked him one time, what do you do with this? And he kept, He said, I keep it. Keep everything in my safe. The summer of 1996, Farmer said Epstein sent her to be an artist in residence over the vast estate of Le Wexner, the CEO of L Brands, which owns Victoria's Secret. How would you describe Epstein's relationship with Wexner? Which we talked about Wexner last week on Nexium as well. Epstein told me, what their relationship was, he said Wexner would do anything for him and bragged about it, Farmer said. The estate, she said, was heavily guarded by armed security and dogs. She stayed in what was told was the guest house. Did you ever see him? No. I called Wexner the Wizard of Oz. He is the one behind the curtain that had all the power, Maria Farmer said. Farmer alleges that her complaint that Maxwell and Epstein sexually assaulted her... Um, she talks about how frantic her words, or how how she was, and his exact words were, "You're not going anywhere. You're never leaving. You are never li- leaving." She said, "She escaped only by calling her father for help." So again, you now have, you have Wexner from Victoria's Secret who had a connection with Keith Raniere from the last podcast we did on Nexium, and he has this connection with Jeffrey Epstein, and Epstein. He had another connection that was really interesting this week. Prince Andrew, which we've known Prince Andrew, was heavily involved in this, and he decided to get out in front of everything coming out, Uh, the Project Veritas, Epstein cover-up videos with ABC spiking the story and now CBS interviewing Maria Farmer. He went on BBC and gave this really bizarre interview.
0: But you were staying at the house of a convicted sex offender. It was a convenient place to stay. I've I mean, i mean, I've gone through this in my mind so many times. At the end of the day, um, uh, uh, with the benefit of all the hindsight that one could have, um, it was definitely the wrong thing to do. Um, but at the time, I felt it was the, the honourable and right thing to do. And I, I admit fully that, 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 that my... Judgment was probably colored by my um, tendency to be too honorable, but that's just the way it is.
2: Prince Andrew said that, yeah, staying at the pedophile's house, a little convenient, you know, didn't have to worry about going on booking.com, didn't have to look up Airbnb, you know, don't have to hit up the Super 8. I'm just going to stay at the pedophile's house because it's convenient. And, you know, his judgment can sometimes get in the way of, you know, how honorable He is. Is this really how the Brits operate? But it's no different than the elites here in the America. I mean, in America, you've got Bill Clinton out there talking about how, well, you know, I I flew on over on Jeffrey Epstein's island, but we didn't do anything. I was a perfect angel. Sure you were. I'm sure Monica Lewinsky, Kathleen Willey, um, Juanita Broderick, they would all vouch for that. And this lady, Lady Colin Campbell, a British writer, she's one who did biographies on princess diana queen elizabeth she actually defends prince andrew on good morning britain with pierce morgan and pierce morgan is pushing back just take a listen to this he was imprisoned with soliciting
1: prostitution from minors that is not the same thing as pedophilia soliciting prostitution prostitution you solicited a 14 year old prostitution you're a pedophile it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter Does is matter. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. And they You're were not 14 girl for sex. in a America. He wasn't in America he was in America a man. That is nonsense. No, no it's not. He, he was convicted of procuring a 14-year-old girl for sex. Was for he? 14. Yes. Fourteen. Well, 14. But I'm not justifying, Jeffrey. That's I'm, thing, I'm not justifying, Jeff. No, paedophilia, I suspect. There's a difference between a minor and a
2: child. She, she was 14. Again? Is that a culture over there? I mean, will the royal family just go, yeah, you know, we can do what we want. Yeah, we can bang out 14-year-old chicks. Not a problem. No one's going to get back on us. I mean, will the elites die on their swords over his behavior? Quote, he was talking about a photo of him (laughs) around this 17-year-old's waist at a party because he tried to say, well, you know, I don't really party much, Prince Andrew. He's not the party guy. Photos all over the place of him partying down with Hollywood elites and political figures and different models and what have you. He said, that's definitely a photo of me. And that's definitely a photo of my hand around a 17 year old girl's waist. But how could I have shown anyone affection in public? I'm British. (laughs) But you know, what's really interesting is that Johnny Carson, the late Johnny Carson, used to love his late night show. I mean, none of these none of these hacks I mean, even people I like, like Conan O'Brien or what have you, Jimmy Kimmel, Steve Colbert. I mean, maybe, maybe you get a little close with uh, with what's-his-name from SNL. Um, I don't even, it doesn't even matter. But no one touches uh, Johnny Carson. Well, if he knew something... He would lay it on the line, and that's what he did. Listen to this.
1: Hi, this is Johnny Carson asking, you have a daughter who's a really good-looking chick? Well, you may be able to change her life and improve your financial status because Prince Andrew is looking for a new girlfriend. Just drop a nude photo of your little nymphette in a self-addressed stamp envelope and mail it to Royal Affair, Buckingham Palace, London.
2: Yeah, that was back in the 1980s. Johnny Carson calling it like it is. Again, is this a culture? I mean, even the Private Eye magazine over in England, they were actually on this as well. They <laughs> this is from Private Eye magazine. As Prince Andrew's attempt to draw a line under the Epstein scandal fails so spectacularly, a reminder that the first Private Eye cover devoted to it was way back in 2011, almost five full years. In January 2015, we were joking about how long it had been going on. I mean, it's amazing. Then you've got this reporter from The Guardian, Owen Jones. He laid it on the line. This guy hes a self-proclaimed socialist, actually puts the British establishment on notice and in perspective on Sky News. And even though he's a big socialist news guy, I cannot disagree with the statements he has. Listen to this. He's a knowing friend and associate of a prolific pedophile.
1: He knew after he was very publicly exposed as a pedophile he, he maintained his friendship and his association with him. I mean, I just think people need to take a step back and realise how scandalous this is. You know, I mean, in this, I only watched the so-called highlights, which I found nauseating enough, I have to say, showing absolutely no sense of compassion towards those people, those young people, who are sexually abused, those children sexually abused by that monster, Epstein, uh, and you know when he, taught, when he, when he said the uh, you know the only flaw he had in all of this is that he was too honourable. That's what that's what the uh, the duke described his own behaviour as. I just think this does, I'm afraid, and I think wherever you stand on the political spectrum, it is how the British establishment works in this country that we have. You know, once you're in, you can never fall out. The, this man should be driven from public life in disgrace. And yet he's still you know he's still someone who has this extremely prestigious title a senior royal who will continue to live no doubt an extremely wealthy affluent life until the day he dies whilst other people who do far less than what this man uh, we know uh, in terms of his association with a paedophile and his lack of remorse and regret for what that paedophile did Um, have, have you know, suffered far greater consequences for for far, far smaller misdemeanors. The truth is, this just shows it is one rule for those people at the top and one rule for everybody else, that if you live in privilege, that all the odds are stacked in your favor, you can behave in the most disgusting way possible, and you can still carry on
2: getting away with it with just some terrible headlines. And he's 100% right. They have their own set of rules. I mean, and it looks like Prince Andrew is severely sweating just a bit but if you saw the interview he claimed that he can't sweat anymore over some sort of overdose of adrenaline that hit him while he was in the military in his time fighting in the falkland islands you know that's like getting ptsd from fighting in grenada that war that happened for what 72 hours if that maybe 24 hours yeah listen to him talk about how he doesn't sweat anymore
0: so you're absolutely sure that you're at home on the 10th of march she was very specific about that night Mm. she described dancing with you and you profusely sweating (laughs) and that she went on to have bath possibly there's a slight problem with 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 the sweating um because uh, i i have a peculiar medical condition which is that i don't sweat um or i didn't sweat at the time and that was oh, actually yes i didn't sweat at the time because I um, ha- had suffered what I would describe as an overdose of adrenaline in the Falklands War when I was shot at, uh, and I simply, it, it, was, it, was, it was almost impossible for me to, to, to sweat. And it's only because I have done a number of things in, in the recent past that I'm starting to be able to do that again. So I'm afraid to say that... Yeah, I'm honourable.
2: I'm honorable. I don't sweat. I didn't have sex with a teenager. I was at home. After going to a party at Pizza Express and walking. I went to tell Epstein it's all over. But I had a sleepover for four nights and passed him in the hallway. That's actually uh, one of the British uh, newsies. uh, One of the journalists over there put that out (laughs) as a kind of rip on Prince Andrew. But yeah, Prince Andrew was saying that he didn't have sex with Virginia Roberts when she was a teenager. Because he was at home after a pizza party. Yeah, Pizza Express. This is actually from USA Today. The Duke of York claimed that he could not have had sex with a teenage girl in the London home of British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell because he was at home after attending a children's party at Pizza Express and walking. Prince Andrew gave a startling explanation in a bombshell interview with Emily Mathis or Mathilis for BBC's Newsnight. So he was at a pizza party. Never mind the fact back in... November of tw- uh, tw- uh, November 12th of 2000, uh, a Dublin tabloid basically said that two decades ago, Ghislaine and two separate references described Prince Andrew of profusely sweating. <laughs> By all accounts, he's a lovely man, but he did profusely sweat. I thought this was interesting from this tabloid back in uh, 2000. It seems now that Prince Andrew's turn 40, that his mischievous streak, has returned. Last week, Andrew was photographed at parties in New York that would not have impressed his mom. The fourth in line to the throne was snapped, looking wide-eyed at two of the city's trendiest clubs, Hudson Bar and the Lotus. Remember, he doesn't party. He just goes to pizza places with his family. According to onlookers, Andrew was said to look pale, and his face was running with sweat. He was also seen staggering at the edge of a dance floor. The party at the Hudson Bar was hosted by beautiful lingerie model and socialite Heidi Klum, who wore pigtails and dressed in a rubber suit, calling herself Sado Masochist Heidi for the occasion. Other party animals were dressed as prostitutes. The following night, Prince Andrew was out on the tiles again. This time he visited the super cool Lotus Club in Manhattan, with friend and sometimes date Gislaine Maxwell, daughter of deceased newspaper tycoon Robert Maxwell. The Lotus is frequent by stars such as Puff Daddy and Leonardo DiCaprio, as well as wild New York clubbers. Andrew, wearing a suit and accompanied by two bodyguards, was photographed with a group of pals that included a man with bleached spiked hair and arms covered in tattoos. Gislaine was wearing a blonde wig and joked that she was dressed as a hooker because they were going to a party with pimps and prostitutes as the theme. Nothing wrong with a guy letting his hair down, you might say, but Andrews, a royal, and royals are not expected to go to sex-themed parties. Hmm. New York Post had a uh, cover that said Prince Andrew claimed liaison never happened because he couldn't sweat his royal dryness. (laughs) You know, one of the things that uh, another news guy actually posted said, one thing missed out on last night, uh, his interview was the fact that Prince Andrew asked Jeffrey Epstein to sort out some of his ex-wife's debts, which Epstein did. How much money changed hands there? We still don't know. Probably more than the cost of a Woking <laughs> Fiorita pizza. And what was really interesting is Pizza Express was suddenly this is where it gets kind of humorous, was inundated with different reviews. You know, like the Yelp reviews. Here's one. Pizza Express walking is like no other Pizza Express It's a memory which will never disappear once you visit the walking branch. It's amazing the lasting effect a pizza can have on you. The pizza is so good from this specific branch, it gives you the ability to not only remember what year you visited, but the exact day and month. Truly incredible. (laughs) Because the argument is, how did this guy remember that he was at a pizza express on the same day that he was hooking up with Virginia Roberts, underage as a prostitute and a child sex-trafficked individual back in 2000. I've forgotten visits to my billionaire friend's private island, but I've never forgotten my single visit to this unusual restaurant on a specific day nearly 20 years ago. I popped here in my sweatpants after my afternoon rubdown and I was about to go to the party, but then I remembered, I don't really party much, actually, to be clear. Enjoyed the red sausage Cheerio. Here's another review. Thoroughly enjoyed my American Pizza on a balmy spring evening in 2001. Only negative was that the air conditioner was broken, and after a while, it started to become very hot and stuffy. There only seemed to be one man not breaking out into a sweat, which he claimed was because of an overdose of adrenaline. Overall, I had a fantastic meal, and I would recommend. Why go anywhere else? <laughs> When you could go here and be treated like royalty by the fantastic staff. Here's another one. Love this place. Had a cracking pizza in here. Remember, it was 2000 because it was very strange that the guy next to me had an American hot pizza with extra chilies. Not a drop of sweat came off of him. Very odd. So they're making light of it. Same thing that happened with a horse race commentator joking about his sweating problem.
0: (laughs) That's a five-to-four favorite. Debt fetus soy, political on second in. Got a bit warm and sweaty, as always, in the paddock. Unlike the certain prints we heard from yesterday. <laughs> I mean,
2: that's pretty amazing. You know, it <laughs> now what really gets interesting is a report that came out with a college of young women that was centered around sex trafficking and the visit that Prince Andrew made on a regular basis. So now you're caught up with all things UK, all things British, all things Epstein, as far as where we are, we're at now. Um, but Prince Andrew has a lengthy history of liking them youngins. You know, he likes them back in the eighties, and he likes them uh, when he turned forty, and he likes them now. And it was convenient to stay at the house of Ep- Jeffrey Epstein instead of getting a, you know, a place over at the Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> I mean, he could have done any of that you know he doesn't sweat anymore but then he was sweating profusely the guy's a fraud so these are things that we have to put into account because when the epstein thing gets cracked open like a giant nut (laughs) no pun intended there's gonna be a lot of people falling and it seems to me that prince andrew has a thing for that culture and may have even been one of the purveyors of it with epstein who knows Maybe he and Epstein designed this entire thing and Bill Clinton decided, hey, I think I like some of them uh, young, young things up there in the Epstein Island. <laughs> Probably doing blow off each other too. Back in just a moment.
1: This is Adrian Slade.
2: Slade Broadcast. Now, Eric Swalwell bold without the bold the guy who was running for the presidency for 2020 and couldn't even get over one percent i've heard he had negative percent approval and support in the 2019 run up to the 2020 so he couldn't even run for the 2020 outside of 2019 well he was on chris matthews and uh, he dropped a little bit of a tactical nuke the evidence is uncontradicted that the president used taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. Oh, my God. Well, Eric Swalwell, he digital Dutch ovened Chris Matthews. It's amazing. Now, Chris Matthews is trying to say that that little tooting sound that was actually them moving a coffee cup on his side, on his desk. But I think that was the coffee cup rattling off the desk from the shockwaves of of Eric Swalwell's crop dusting. Yeah, Duke Nukem. Remember, this is the guy who said, well, you come with us with your AR-15s. We're the government. We have the nukes. You think you're going to win? Well, Duke Nukem dropping a chemical weapon on Chris Matthews is making the rounds faster than a nasty crop dusting by the guy in the gym who was disrupting the peace while doing crunches the day after Taco Tuesday. You know, I, I, think, uh, I think digital Dutch oven Eric Swalwell... I think he had to throw his underwear in the trash after that one. <laughs> it was really bad. Gaseous Clay comes out swinging with the technical knockout. <laughs> so, this made the rounds. Hashtag fartgate. And Eric Swalwell uh, yet again beclowns himself and shows how ridiculous he is because the guy is one of the worst. I mean, outside of Adam Shift, who's going to be parading around with more of these fake hearings. And more of this crap, this clown show of an impeachment hearing process, which is basically like Three's Company. It's like a Three's Company skit. It's like uh, uh, I Love Lucy. You know, they're trying to say that this guy, I can't remember his name, but he's the, he's the witness that he was in a restaurant and he heard the ambassador pick up the phone. And the ambassador's like, Don, hey, Don, hey, how you doing? Oh, y- you want me to do that? Okay, I can do that. You mean you mean to withhold that? Okay, and then you find out that the Don he's talking to is like you know Don from the laundromat. You know he's informing him that his clothes there was an issue with his uh, laundry, and the person the the witness thinks he's listening to Donald Trump on the other line with the phone. I mean, this is how ridiculous this whole thing is. But what I think is really funny is just how I, I don't know if if God's just like dropping joke bombs on everybody saying, okay, you want to push this, this bit of a ridiculous evilness upon people? You want to focus on removing a president because of the fact that you've conducted all this insidious behavior in the background well we're gonna make your impeachment hearing look like a clown show everybody you bring up on the stand is gonna basically shoot themselves in the foot or step on a rake and make themselves look completely stupid just like they did during the Mueller hearings or you're gonna go on interviews and you're basically going to uh blast the place out with a with a disruptive you know, bean burrito explosion. Speaking of complete mental flatulence and just utter defecation of morals and integrity, Christine Blase Ford is back in the news. Remember, she is the one who tried to insinuate that Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh had inappropriate relations, like a uh, chain gang, you know, a rape gang. They're breaking out the... Uh, The beer pong in the frat house, and they're bringing her into the back room and having their way. Yeah, Christine Blasey Ford, who we found out was full of utter shite, full of garbage, full of BS. She is back. And this is from CNN. Christine Blasey Ford, whose allegations of sexual assault against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh rocked his confirmation hearing. Well, huh. She accepts the ACLU Courage Award. Look at that. Yay. Go ahead. You have courage to besmirch the character of a Supreme Court justice. That's right. She got an award. And she commemorated the award with a little statement.
1: I had a responsibility to my country, to my fellow citizens, to my students, to my children to live the values that I tried to teach them. I understood that not everyone would welcome my information, and I was prepared for a variety of outcomes, including being dismissed. I was not prepared for the venom, the persistent attacks, the vilification, the loss of personal privacy, and the collateral damage to my friends and my family. I
2: have been through so much, but I want to thank the Academy. I would like to thank, you know, thank God. Uh, well, not really. Uh, I want to thank Alyssa Milano and the illegal immigrants that cornered Jeff Flake in the elevator. And I'd like to think of all the media outlets. And I'd like to think, uh, you, I mean, come on, she, they're giving her an award. This chick is the ultimate liar. I mean, do you remember? They wanted to fly her in for testimony. I think it was Chuck Grassley and them said, hey, we'll fly you in so we can have testimony. You know, Lindsey Graham was a part of it, I guess. And she goes, I'm afraid of
1: flying.
2: Oh, yeah, you're afraid of flying. Yet you were at a beach house just a couple of days ago on the East Coast. And we're talking to you on the West Coast. How'd you make it back that quickly? Well, they decided, hey, how about we come to you and we can take your statement? No, that wasn't enough. Because just like the Mueller hearings, just like the impeachment hearings that are going on with the witnesses and the whistleblowers and the people that heard third and fourth and fifth-hand knowledge and the guy, Sondland or whatever, who's in the restaurant and he overhears the telephone call talking to Don. We don't know which Don. Could be Don Ho. Could be talking to Don Cornelius. You know, he's going to get his soul train on, or he's talking to Donald Trump. We don't know, but he heard the telephone call, and he knows quid pro quo. It's the same thing. We heard, oh my gosh, Brett Kavanaugh, he's out there raping people. Oh, we got to bring this chick and that chick, you know, Roy Moore, out there the, running the Gadsden Mall, and he's got lie, what yearbooks that he signs at the Waffle House. It's all utter BS, and they're giving people like this a Courage Award. I mean, that to me is unbelievable. You know who would like a Courage Award? Tawana Brawley. Remember Tawana Brawley? Yeah, that was Al Sharpton's little thing back in uh, 1987, where they said that four white men raped this chick in New York. And, you know, come to find out, yeah, that didn't happen. But Tawana Brawley, she feels shorted of that uh, ACLU Courage Award. You know who else feels shorted by it? (laughs) Hmm. Crystal uh, Crystal Magnum, a black student at North Carolina University who worked as a stripper and accused three Duke University students, all members of the Duke Blue Devils men's lacrosse team of raping her. Yeah, she probably feels left out on the ACLU Courage Award. You know who else feels shorted on the Courage Award? Jackie Coakley. Yeah, she is the UVA student who is identified only as Jackie by Rolling Stone Magazine who had been taken uh, to... she was. Taken to a party hosted by UVA's uh, Phi Kappa Psi, uh, Psi fraternity? Apparently she was raped? Oh, that didn't happen either. None of those people got the ACLU Courage Award. And really, the ACLU Courage Award means nothing. Especially when you see what ACLU is willing to stand for. This is what they said in a tweet. There's no one way to be a man. Men who get their periods are men. Men who get pregnant and give birth are men. Trans and nine bar- binary men belong. Hashtag women's or international men's day. You know, ACLU, there's no way to be a political operative. And liars who get awards for besmirching the character of a Supreme Court justice are liars. Yeah. And um, men who get their periods, they're called beta males. They're called whiny betas. And men who get pregnant and give birth, well, they're probably going to be about 450 pounds from, you know, shoveling down all those uh, pound cakes and chicken wings uh, while they're pregnant, maybe eating a jar of pickles every other day. But if they're giving birth, holy hell, they will be screaming the, the gnashing of teeth from the pits of hell, from the fire and brimstone of... You know, the river sticks, because if they pass a baby through that little hole, there's a problem. But that's what this is. This is how ridiculous it is. And the ACLU should not be taken seriously with crap like this. It's just like the Southern Poverty Law Center. You've got Catholic groups who are listed as terrorist organizations, violators of of human rights. You've got Gavin McInnes' drinking group, the Proud Boys, listed as a domestic terrorist viol—you know—organization. <laughs> I mean, they're white supremacists because they want to protect these Christians, the Proud Boys, who are out there marching. They want to just provide a line of of somewhat, uh, but you know, defense, somewhat of a malign defense, you know, against the rabid, evil Antifa thug, violent thug squads that want to burn them at the stake and want to throw Molotov cocktails and, and beat people with chain locks and, and batons. They want to be this kind of benign wall to protect these people so that they can march for Christian beliefs and small government and liberty. But I'm telling you, ACLU, that's why we have an ACLJ with Jay Seculo and the crew. The Seculos, great family. They actually helped some friends of mine personally. Um, this is the thing. These organizations are designed to look as though they're legitimate. But really, they're not. They're insidious. And we have some more examples of that coming up here in just a moment. Great examples of organizations that are seemingly, you know, innocuous. They're, they're, they're kind of not really that big of a deal. But, oh, well, they are actually Pretty dangerous, such as the case with the 1630 Fund. This is an organization that contributed to the efforts of fighting Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. They fought all these other Trump judicial nominees, boasting ballot measures, raising the minimum wage, changing laws on voting and redistricting in numerous states. And they have received what they call dark money. Huh. Imagine that. This is from Politico. Yeah. Listen to this little bit. Documents reveal massive dark money group boasted Democrats or boosted Democrats in 2018. The green wave of campaign cash that boosted Democrats and liberal causes in 2018 included an unprecedented gusher of secret money. The 1630 fund, a little known nonprofit headquartered in Washington, spent one hundred and forty one million on more than 100 left leaning causes during the midterm election year. They had the tax filings listed here. You know, we talked about how the money went to fight Kavanaugh and various liberal agendas. The spending was fueled massively uh, by anonymous donations, including one gift totaling $51 million, $51.7 million. That single donation was more than enough that the group had ever raised before in the entire year. President Trump had received a brunt. Of the attacks by this group, most of the group's funders are likely to remain a mystery because federal law does not require social welfare-focused nonprofits to reveal their donors. Well, who do you think they are? Well, the 1630 Fund collected $2.2 in contributions from the Open Society Policy Center. Hmm, Open Society. Who runs that again? Oh, that would be George Soros. Yes, that guy. (laughs) Hmm. His advocacy network has given millions to the 1630 fund in recent years and uh, was one of his primary donation vehicles between 2012 and 2016. So what you're seeing with the impeachment, what you're seeing with things overseas, Ukraine, State Department, all these protests across the world, the Arab Spring, things happening in Chile with the rise of uh, the toll. You know, that's suddenly making everybody go berserk. All fabricated, all complete BS, and all put together by none other than groups associated with the evil mastermind George Soros. Sponsor for this portion of the program is Atron Teal. It's a crazy name with incredible results developed by a board-certified gastroenterologist proven to deliver relief from bloating and symptoms related to IBS in over four out of five People. It's made from the most potent polyphenol blends, which are essential for people suffering from autoimmune diseases. Entrantil is broken down by your gut to help your entire body. Entrantil's 90 capsule box is normally $39.95, but when you buy three boxes with our coupon code, you get three months' supply of bloating and digestive relief for only $99. Save over $20 on three boxes of Entrantil. So make sure you get over to lovemytummy.com slash mojo, lovemytummy.com slash mojo, and pick up your three boxes of Atron Teal. Now, elections have consequences, particularly elections here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and groups like this group that we just talked about are, you know, the 1630 Fund. They're a part of it all. And what is really amazing to me there's a semi-automatic handgun grab that is being introduced to the uh, state legislature here in Virginia, Senate Bill Number 16, um, to the General Assembly in Virginia. And it's buried within this, this bill where they want to take a crack at taking on your gun rights, your Second Amendment rights. This is why elections have consequences. This is why you've got Northern Virginia here in the Commonwealth, it's like California. Um, They're hoping it can do this in Texas over time. You just have a little enclave in Northern Virginia on the outskirts of D.C. that decides the entire election for the state. If you take a look at the state of Virginia, maybe in the west, certain areas in the Midwest of of the state, um, all of Northern Virginia. I mean, Loudoun County's got the death metal tranny who was voted back in as a delegate. They've also voted in a lady who flipped Donald Trump, the bird. That's a resume builder right there. And they voted in a couple other individuals that we're going to talk about here in just a moment. And then you've got Richmond. Richmond has always been a crap hole. The outskirts of Richmond. Great. I mean, good shopping. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's some good music in in Richmond as far as the music scene goes, but those music scenes always thrived in Democrat enclaves anyways. And then you've got the random, uh, you know, armpit hole down here in southeastern Virginia. Other than that, the entire state's red. But our elections were mainly decided by the, these, little, these little areas, these little counties. And so you have Governor Blackface. You have uh, Mark Herring, you know, AG Blackface. You've got the lieutenant governor, Mr. Womanizer, and serial rapist. You've got a guy voted back in, Morrissey, back in. I think he was the state senate who was guilty of banging out his secretary when she was underage. That's what cost him the election the first time. And his, I mean, her parents were pissed. This chick was his secretary. She was underage. He was banging her out in the office and trying to say that he wasn't. And he's been reelected. Look at that. Not only that, you've got Kathy Tran. Oh, yeah. Who is Kathy Tran? Yeah, she's the one who was up there talking and advocating for uh, abortion, basically, upon birth. (laughs) That Governor Northam Blackface went on the radio to defend and tried to say, well, you know, you just make them comfortable. Make them comfortable and, you know, talk about what you want to do, if you want to kill them or not. Yeah. Elections have consequences. And in Virginia, they have destroyed every opportunity we have of remaining a purple state at best. Now, we did get a few wins here and there. Nick Freitas, who I love, he was a write-in, and he was re-elected. He wasn't even on the ballot, and he was elected. That guy, go look up his Second Amendment speech if you can. Go on YouTube, look up Nick Freitas for Virginia, and look up his... uh, Second Amendment speech on the floor of the General Assembly in Virginia. Amazing. My buddy Barry Knight got reelected. We also had DeStef, Bill DeStef, down here in Virginia Beach um, in that district area, State Senate. He beat the gun grabbing uh, Missy, I can't remember her name, who was uh, getting all this money from outside of the state. So there were some small wins, but some of the bigger losses are kind of disturbing. One in particular this is from the Clarion project. Next generation Islamist Abrar Omesh wins Virginia election. Abrar Omesh just won a seat on the school board at Fairfax County in Virginia in the latest slate elections or the latest state elections the 24 year old became the youngest woman and the first Muslim woman to win a seat in Virginia. In the counter Islamic circle Omesh is a well known name. Now that's great. Hey Got Muslim elected to school board. Hey, kudos for her. Well, Paul Speary breaks it down, breaking the daughter of a Muslim Brotherhood official who advocated Palestinian jihad and hired the al-Qaeda imam who ministered to the 9-11 hijackers at the radical Daral Hajar Islamic Center has been elected by Democrats to where? Fairfax County as the school board as a part of the school board in northern virginia and fairfax county is one of those counties we were talking about abrar amesh's father is dr isam amesh a former muslim american society president in 2006 the investigative project on terrorism released a video of dr amesh endorsing violent jihad at a rally 6 years prior that release resulted in the resignation from the state immigration board which he served. In 2009, they exposed Dr. Amesh's bid for Virginia's House of Delegates, among other items that exposed his radical theocratic leanings, which are rooted in the ideology of the Muslim Brotherhood. In 2004, Dr. Amesh declared that Islam will either become the dominant region of the next century or we may be forcibly rejected from the West because of forces of intolerance, racism, and bigotry. Huh? Imagine that. In 2019, at their annual gala, the Council on American and Islamic Relations, which is CARE, made it very clear that they were working to get Muslims into office. While every American has a right to run for office and civic duty is to be applauded, unfortunately, in the case of Islamists, we know they're focused on creating a political environment where only their interpretation of Islamic gains are made. At the gala, CARE's founder and executive director, Nihad Awad, said, a strong CARE, Equals a strong community. A strong community will produce a strong and confident and successful Muslim. So I am telling you tonight, we are going to work in the next years in Shahallah, God willing, to elect at least 30 Muslims in Congress. This number is equivalent to our size and our potential as American Muslims, including at least two U.S. Senate seats for Muslims. Daniel Pipe says scores of Muslim candidates win a race or win races across the nation, blares out the headline from CARE. Then look at the map that accompanies the story with Islamic crescents spread across the U.S. map. Yeah, look at that. This is ge- geographically possible, uh, possibly intended to intimidate. So you see this map of the United States, and there's little little crescents with stars, little jihad stars and crescents all over the little areas. They won in, uh, you know, of course, Minnesota, uh, Michigan, and then further up into the uh, northeast New England states. In the case of Abar Omish, uh, Omayish, the apple may not fall far from the tree. In 2014, Abrar, who won the school board election, led a campaign to silence Ayon Hirshi Ali, based on the claim that Ali doesn't have the scholarly credentials to speak on Islam. Remember, she was the one who was against female genital mutilation, who was blasted by Linda Sarsour. So if you're not toeing their line, you're going to get destroyed. And while it may seem like school board is a small win compared to a congressional seat, Benjamin Baird, the Projects Coordinator for Islam and uh, uh, Politics Project, points out how small political wins help pave the way for building a political career for the next generation of Islamists. And that's one of the things you have to realize. Federalism is pretty important. You know, we're focused on the wrong things. We're always focused on the presidential election. We're always focused on uh, the Senate. We have to win presidential elections because of the Supreme Court. All the while, George Soros is funding this new wave to flip attorney general races in states and municipalities. That's why they're going to state senates and they're, they're flipping school boards and they're flipping local elections because a couple of things. First off, local elections, nine times out of 10, you don't know their party affiliation. A lot of times they keep themselves independent. So if they can get wins on the local level, they build their brand and they branch out and they start to make changes locally. Federalism is key. That's why I've aligned myself with the Federalist Party um, because they're building a coalition to keep the Republican Party in check based on federalism. But at the same time, we have to look at the fact that that is the open door that Soros, which is through state redistricting. This is the open door that Islamists through school board elections and through delegate, state delegate elections are using to move their agenda, to run the ball through, to basically destroy every bit of Republicanism, representative Republicanism and freedom and the Constitution. And they're going to infect it like a growing cancer on a small wave and build themselves all the way through and we better recognize it and get more involved very locally very quickly I'm Adrian Slade thanks for tuning into the show listen to us on Mojo 50 radio you can find that on iHeartRadio or go to mojo50.com every Wednesday 10 p.m. also get the podcast iTunes SoundCloud Stitcher Google Play Spreaker tune in iHeart, Overcast, wherever podcasts are hosted. And be sure to give us a review. Give us a good five-star review that's going to help us go up in the ratings so we're more visible to others. You can also donate to the show. Go to patreon.com slash adriansladeshow. Give $2 a month or go to anchor.fm and search Adrian Slade. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Gab, MeWe, Parler, convo snippy search adrian slade follow us on twitter at rants out loud or at adrian slade show which is the official show page on twitter and you can also read the blog AdrianSladeshow.com. you can also get the adrian slade show roku channel in your streaming store on the roku streaming channel store be sure to download the adrian slade show roku channel we'll see you guys next time thanks for tuning in